As we get going this morning, everybody, I'm gonna ask y'all a series of questions. Have you ever done, or have you ever said questions? All right, here we go. Question number one. Have you ever made a promise you couldn't keep? Have you ever promised someone to be somewhere at a certain time only to show up 30 minutes late? Happens to me, unfortunately, a few times. Have you ever promised your significant other to be at a family event only to not be able to make it? Have you ever promised to keep your significant other safe only to find out that he or she got injured doing fill in the blank? Have you ever promised to have food on the table by 6 p.m. only to have your children searching, scavenging the kitchen cabinets at 6.15 because dinner wasn't ready? Have you ever promised that you would stop asking your significant other, whatever it may be, only to ask him or her a couple days later? That very same thing. Have you ever promised your son or daughter you would take them to fill in the blank, only to tell them that you couldn't take them because you had work or some other excuse? Have you ever promised your parents while playing video games that you would be down for dinner after this last game, only to play a couple more? Guilty of that. Have you ever promised your parents you'd clean your room, mow the lawn, or do some other chore, only to do that chore a day or two later? Hopefully I didn't find out about that, but. And lastly, have you ever promised God that you would stop doing you fill in the blank, only to keep doing that? Right, well, if you're like, if you're human and you're like me, you've probably promised many of the above or something equivalent at some point in time. Um, and what you've realized very quickly is that we're not very good at keeping promises. In fact, we're pretty terrible at keeping promises sometimes. Um, and some of us may be better than others. Honestly, you know, some, some are. But nonetheless, none of us has a 100% track record in keeping our promises whether it's to God, friends, family, parents, whatever it may be. None of us has a 100% track record in keeping all of our promises. But the good news is, as we're gonna see that God does keep all of his promises, he does have a 100% track record. He's batting a thousand in keeping his promises. That's good news for us. We're gonna see the implications of that this morning. But big picture we're gonna see here is that God is faithful, that he keeps his promises promises. And that's important to see the big picture. I'll re, I'm going to reemphasize this, that God keeps his promises. And as we go through the sermon this morning, we're going to look at a few points or a few small pieces of the puzzles, and we're going to see how those pieces tie into the bigger picture that Moses is painting for us here in our text. All right. So God is reminding us that God is faithful and then he fulfills his promises. And some of you maybe have taken a look at the passage. Maybe you glanced at your bulletin where the text is provided for you. And maybe you're thinking, how is Moses gonna do this here, right? 
It looks like simply a death notice smashed between some genealogies and some very difficult names to pronounce. How is he gonna do all that? Fulfill his promises, keep his promises. It doesn't look good for us. Looks like another list of names. Well, I would tell you that is a fair assessment taking a first glance at this passage. That's fair, right? That's, that's what seemingly looks like it's there. But Moses is going to remind us that God is faithful and that he does fulfill his promises. He's gonna do that in three ways this morning. First, by showing that God keeps his promise of preserving an heir. Two, God keeps his promise of preserving Abraham. And lastly, three, God keeps his promise to Ishmael. We're gonna see, see those things this morning. Now, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Genesis 25, verses one through 18. And if you don't have your Bibles, don't worry, we've got the bulletins, it's got the text in there for you. So if you flip to that, we'll take a look at these 18 verses. All right, verse one. Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimron, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan fathered Sheba and Dedan. And the sons of Dedan were Asherim, Letushim, and Lumim. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, Hanak, Abidah, and Eldeah. All these were the children of Keturah. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, but to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac, eastward to the east country. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life, 175 years. Abraham breathed his last and he died in a good old age, an old man full of years, and he was gathered to his people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah and the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, east of Mamre. And this is the field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites. There, Abraham was buried with Sarah's wife. And after the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac settled at Beer Roy. These are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's servant, bore to Abraham. And these are the names of the sons of Ishmael, named in the order of their birth. Nebaioth, the firstborn of Ishmael, and Kedar, Adbil, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Tima, Jetor, Nafish, and Kedemah. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names by their villages and by their encampments. Twelve princes according to their tribes. And these are the years of the life of Ishmael. 137 years. He breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. They settled from Havilah to Shor, which is opposite Egypt in the direction of Assyria, and he settled over against all his kinsmen. Let's pray before we get started. Lord, we thank you for this text. Um, Lord, it doesn't look like much, um, but Father, we know that you are good and there's something that you want to say to us, Father, in this passage this morning. Father, you are a good God who keeps your promises. We thank you for that, Father, for you are good and loving to us. 
And we thank you that Moses put this in our scriptures for our benefit, for our love, and ultimately for your glory. We ask all these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. All right, now after reading that, I'm sure some of you are thinking, yes, fantastic. More genealogies, right? We've had some of those already. Guess what? We got a little bit more. I'm sure you're thinking, this is wonderful, more meaningless, seemingly difficult to pronounce names in our text, right? But, I know some of y'all are probably thinking that. I, when I took first glance, I thought that. But, I must interrupt your seemingly rational, logical thoughts because honestly, there is more than meets the eye here in these verses. There's more going on than what you think and what I thought when I first took a glance at these and I first read through it. And I would challenge you to see what is beneath the surface of these genealogies and this death notice and the difficult to pronounce names because underneath the surface of these verses lies hope and life, hope in this life and the next in the depiction of God's covenant faithfulness. So that's what we have here. So let's take a look at the first point in our text. That is God keeps his promise to preserve his heir. That's H-E-I-R. I have a hard time spelling that. Yeah. So heir as, a, as in successor. All right, verses one through six. Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan fathered Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were Asherim, Latushim, and Luamim. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, Hanak, Abidah, and Eldeah. All these were the children of Keturah. Abraham gave all he had to Isaac, but to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts. And while he was still living, he sent them away from his son Isaac, eastward to the east country. Now, after reading through those six verses, did anything jump out to you that was new, that had you not thought through, that you didn't know? Let me tell you, when I read through this about a week ago, I had did not realize Abraham had another wife. And he also bore six other sons that we have listed here. You know how old Abraham was at that point? Roughly 140. Another wife, more kids. Now, we don't know when Abraham was married, but we have a rough idea of, of uh, when he had these children. I tell you what, when I'm 140, if I ever get to be that, which I probably won't, I don't think I'd want to have you know, children at that age. I'm sure many of you probably wouldn't either. But, but nonetheless, that's what we have here. That's what the text tells us. That's what we have. Abraham's much older. He's got children. He's got another wife. That's the first thing that jumped out to me. The second thing that jumped out to me when I first read these verses is Abraham gave all emphasis, all he had to Isaac after his death. Isaac was to be the recipient of all that Abraham possessed. And all the sons of Abraham's concubines, they got nothing after Abraham's death. Nothing. But that's not to say, though, while Abraham was still living, that they received nothing. Look at verse 6. What does Moses say? Moses tells us, Abraham gave them gifts while he was still living. And then he sent them away from Isaac eastward to the east country. Now, just as some practical biblical wisdom, some good things for us to do here that we can apply just from these six verses is that uh, we should bless our children and write wills while we are still 
living. Good thing to do, right? It's probably a good idea, and I know Frank Pugh would agree with me on this, right? Frank Pugh, one of our parents, uh, he's also one of our elders. Um, he's an estate lawyer, and he deals with wills and family inheritances, and usually, obviously, dealing with legal issues involving those things. And uh, I'm telling you, he's probably agreeing that this would be a good idea. Write a will now, save you trouble later, right? But Frank, I, I hope this doesn't cut some of your business out by giving this practical biblical wisdom here. So, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, it's doing well, but I hope this doesn't. But it's right here in the text. It's practical, it's good wisdom. Write a will while you're still living. Abraham seems to be doing something very similar here. It's good for us. But in all seriousness, why? Why would Abraham do this? Why would he do this? Give everything to Isaac after his death, but give nothing to his other sons after his death. Why would he do that? And on top of that, then send the children away from Isaac. Would you do that to your children? Mm. Tell you what, John Calvin has something to say to this. John Calvin excuse me, John Calvin, commenting on his past, she says, if you did what Abraham did in your own family, you would be assuring that your children would hate one another for the rest of their lives. But he also says, Abraham did this because God had pointed to him and said, Isaac is to be your heir. And so Abraham's action was not the action of a father who was unwise, who was spoiling one child and neglecting the others. Rather, Abraham's actions were based upon the revelation of God that Isaac was to be the one through whom the promise came. That revelation that Calvin is speaking of, it comes from Genesis 17, 19 through 21. It's in your bulletins if you'd like to read along. Verse 19, then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and he will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant, I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you this time next year. By blessing and sending all of Abraham's children away from Isaac, God is preserving his covenant heir. God is not trying to be cruel by sending his other children away, for he greatly blesses Ishmael, and he also blesses the other children while he's still alive. That's what is told us in verse six. But the election and calling of Isaac is unique and it is different from his other siblings. It is through Isaac and his lineage that the covenant line would be fulfilled. This lineage, it must be kept safe. For it is through the line of Isaac that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would eventually come. It's through his lineage. So you can see preserving Isaac is incredibly important. Preserving his inheritance is incredibly important here. God is being faithful to his promises. And this is just one of the ways in which he did that. He kept his promise safe. Gave the other children blessings while he's still alive, but he sent them away so that Isaac would be the sole heir, just as God promised Isaac would be. God is good, he keeps his promises. But now, after these six verses, after we've seen this, Moses kind of shifts gears on us 
abruptly stops and he changes and he says in verse seven through 11, he's now gonna look at Abraham and the end of Abraham's life. He's not gonna continue with Isaac and looking at the brothers, but he's gonna change gears and now we're gonna look at the end of Abraham's life. And if you're following along the bulletin, this is point number two. God keeps his promise to preserve Abraham. Verses seven through 11, let's read. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life. 175 years. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man full of years, and he was gathered to his people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, east of Mamre, the field that Abraham purchased from the Hittites. And there Abraham was buried with his wife, Sarah. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son, and Isaac settled at Beer Laharoi. These verses, they provide us with a picture of a man who has lived a long and a good life serving the Lord. He wasn't perfect, but he was obedient and he served the Lord. You know, if someone was writing a biography about my life, um, you know, I would kind of like to think that at the end of my life, somebody could honestly write that Jeff breathed his last breath and died in a good old age an old man, full of years, and was gathered to his people. Now, I know that probably sounds pretty morbid in general. Most people probably don't think about that, how they, you know, want to be remembered. But honestly, if that was written to me, I would like that. That sounds pretty peaceful to me. Man of full of years, old age, gathered to his people. That sounds good to me. I don't know about you. But a famous novelist named Alexander Solzhenitsyn, he wrote this of his own aging. It's titled Growing Old. He says this, aging is in no sense a punishment from on high, but brings its own blessings of warmth of colors all its own. There is warmth to be drawn from the waning of your own strength. You can no longer get through a whole day's work, but how good is it? to slip into the brief oblivion of sleep. And what a gift to wake up once more to clarity of your second or third morning of the day. I know. You are still of this life, yet you are rising above the material plane. Growing old serenely is not a downhill path, but an upward ascent. You know, this man must have been a faithful believer in Jesus Christ. Actually, he was. But in order for him to say that, he has to have an understanding that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, and that Christ, at the end of time, will bring all things together. He will make all things new. He will restore all things, all broken bodies, broken relationships through those who love Christ and have faith in him. A man who did not have faith in Christ could not honestly write this and still have peace of mind looking towards his own death, which is very short after he wrote that. And you know, it's very likely that Abraham's final years were very much like the experience of this novelist that we just heard from. Because most biblical, most biblical um, characters, they did not receive such a warm, satisfactory, and full pictures of their death. Most of them say, and so-and-so had so-and-so, and so-and-so had so-and-so children, 
and then they died. That's usually what it says. But here we have a much fuller, warmer picture, a much completer picture of Abraham's and his death. That's what we are given. It's a peaceful picture. It says Abraham died in a good old age, an old man full of years. He lived 175 years. He was not a young man when he died, just as God promised him. In Genesis 15, God keeps his promises. If you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn to it, Genesis 15, 15. And we're gonna see this, that uh, God's gonna appear to Abraham in a vision and he's cutting a covenant with him and promising him that text. Verse 15, you, Abraham, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. You'll go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. Well, what happened here in our text? What do we see? Abraham, he died in peace and he was buried at a good old age. God kept his promise. He was good to him. God keeps his promises. Don't you see that even in the little things, even in something as small as that preserving Abraham in his old age, that God is good, he keeps his promises, he's faithful and he is trustworthy. God is also faithful in giving Abraham children descendants. We've seen that already in the book of Genesis. Even when Sarah was 90 years old, Abraham was 100, still gave him a child. God kept his promise. He's good. He's faithful in protecting Sarah from Pharaoh and King Abimelech, who took her, obviously probably to be concubines. God is faithful in providing protection and guidance along their journeys. They were safe along their journeys, traveling through the land of Canaan and through Egypt. They were safe. God kept his promise of keeping them. And he's even faithful here in our text in prolonging Abraham's life and giving him peace and death. God kept his promise, what he said in Genesis 15, 15. He's faithful. That, friends, is a God who's worth trusting and who's resting and giving your cares and anxieties and your worries to this day. Whether they're with parenting, whether with work, with age, caring for others, whatever it is, this God is worth trusting in. He will take care of you. He keeps his promises. Trust him. You know what the other option is? Is not trusting God. Being anxious, worrying about things, not having security of knowing where you're going at the end of your life. That is the other option, to not have peace, looking towards old age, towards death not knowing what's on the other side of the grave. That is the other option of not having faith, trusting, believing in this holy God. It's not another good option. It is only believing in the same God that, that Abraham believes in and that Solzhenitsyn believes in, that you or I will have this kind of peace in which they had in their lives. And you say, what kind of peace? Peace of knowing that your days like Abraham's, they are numbered in God's providence. God knows when you will leave this earth. That day has been listed way before you were born. He knows when that day is. But God is good and he's gonna keep you until that day if you believe in Jesus Christ. God has you in his control. Peace of knowing that God is in control of your family and your loved ones. Knowing that he is one who will take care of them when you leave. Peace of knowing that when you die, you will wake in the presence of the almighty king, the prince of peace, Lord of creation, being welcomed 
as heirs of the covenant promise, heirs to the throne of his mighty kingdom. You have that peace. People who don't believe in Jesus Christ, believe in this God, Abraham, they cannot have that kind of peace. But friends, you do, and you do have that, and that is obtainable to have. This peace cannot be bought, and it cannot be searched for outside of faith in Christ. That's the kind of peace Abraham had here at the end of his life. That's the kind of peace that is obtainable, but it's only obtainable by faith and complete trust in Jesus Christ and what he did, not what you can do, but what he did on Calvary. But Moses, continuing on in our passage, he says that Isaac and Ishmael came together for Abraham's funeral and together they buried Abraham in the cave of Machpelah. And after the death and burial, Abraham, the death of Abraham, God reconfirmed his covenant promises of numerous descendants and land to Isaac. Once Abraham had passed, Isaac took up the mantle of successor and patriarch of his family, heir to the covenant promise. God kept his promise. You know, the details contained in this story, in this passage, they are important. They're not just a list of very difficult names to pronounce. I had to look all of them up in a book that Dave has. They're they're not just seemingly small promises. It is a depiction of God's covenant faithfulness to you, to me, and to all those other people who've read this before you. Moses is one showing that God keeps his promises, but two, on a practical note, he's tying up loose ends in the Abrahamic narrative. He's coming back around and wrapping things up. It's practically what's going on here. But before he can completely wrap up the narrative of Abraham here in this passage, he addresses Ishmael and his descendants. It's the last part in verses 12 through 18. Well, why is he doing that, you ask? Because he's drilling down the fact that God is faithful and that God keeps his promises. And if that hasn't been clear, I hope it is by the end of the sermon. All right? So let's look at the third point in the third section of our text, verses 12 through 18. This section is titled, God Keeps His Promise to Ishmael. Let's look at verse 12. These are the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's servant, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael, named in the order of their birth. Nebaioth, the firstborn of Ishmael, Kedar, Adbil, Mibsan, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Tima, Jator, Nafish, Kedemah. These are the sons of Ishmael, and these are their names by their villages and by their encampments. Twelve princes according to their tribes, and these are the years of the life of Ishmael. 137 years. He breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. They settled from Havilah to Shur, which is opposite Egypt in the direction of Assyria. He settled over against all his kinsmen. Again, what are we seeing in these verses, in this genealogy? What are, we, what are we witnessing here when we look at this text? We're witnessing that God keeps his promise to Abraham that Ishmael would indeed be blessed with descendants. That's what we're seeing here. For we saw already in Genesis 17, 20 that Abraham desired for his son Ishmael to be blessed. And this is what God says, 17, 20. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you, Abraham, 
I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. It's clear in these verses that we've been reading in Genesis 25, of the depiction of the reality that God keeps his promise, just like we see here in Genesis 17, 20. For what do we have here in these verses? We have the 12 names. We saw that God was gonna promise Ishmael, these, you will have 12 sons, these will be sons, descendants that you will have. What do we have here? We have the 12 names. God did not break his promise to Ishmael like you and I break our promises sometimes. Like I know some of you probably admitted to yourself at the beginning of the sermon. God keeps his promises contrary to us who only sometimes keep them. And you know what? He even kept his promise to Ishmael who wasn't the son of the promise. Isaac was the promised son, but God keeps even his promise to Ishmael and is good to him. But one thing about God's promise here to Ishmael that must be mentioned is that this promise to Ishmael, it's not a saving promise. God is though, however, wonderfully blessing Ishmael, but the promise given to him seems to be more of a temporal blessing rather than an eternal one. What Moses is saying this here is that God keeps his promises also to unbelievers too. God is faithful to unbelievers and believers alike. He's a good God and a gracious God. God's, for God's common grace extends to those outside of the Christian faith. He still keeps his promise to them too. God is faithful to believers and unbelievers alike. He's a God who keeps his promises and we can see that in this passage, how he blesses Ishmael, and we have the 12 names here. He keeps what he promised in Genesis 17, 20. But maybe you're thinking, which many of you probably are at this point, Jeff, that sounds great. Good stuff, God keeps his promises, he never breaks them, got it, sounds good. But how does that benefit us? How does that benefit me here this morning? Well, I'd like to respond in light of the context of our passage um, because God does keep his promises for you and I. And you know what? You and I can have peace in a lot of areas in our lives because God is faithful, because God is trustworthy, and because God does keep his promises. You and I truly can have peace. You know, just last week, a fellow RTS student um, named Ben. He's in my systematic theology class tomorrow and is also one of my partners in a debate that we have. Um, he lost his wife, an unborn child, just last week, suddenly in a car accident in Georgia. And you ask, what does this passage have to offer him in this incredibly difficult time? What does this passage have to say to his family in an incredibly difficult time? I'd say that it offers peace surpassing any kind of peace that this world could ever try to give in any physical or material type of way. Because we are being reminded that God keeps his promises, especially the promise that if we believe and trust in his son, Jesus Christ, we will have everlasting life. There will be a good life, paradise beyond the other side of the grave, and that we will be joined together other faithful believers who believe in Jesus Christ when we pass from this earth. You know, the same God who preserved and blessed Isaac, he's the same God, kept his promise 
of peace of old aged Abraham. He is the same God who blessed Ishmael with descendants. It is same God that you and I worship this morning here. God's faithfulness hasn't changed. He's faithful to you. He's faithful to me here this morning. He's faithful in keeping his covenant promises to you today, just as he was to Abraham and Isaac and Ishmael in our passage. You know what the difference is? The difference is that you and I get to experience those blessings and the fulfillment of those promises in a fuller way today. Because if you believe in Jesus Christ, the true seed and descendant of Abraham, which was promised, then you receive the spirit of Christ as a seal of your salvation. Jesus Christ is the fullest expression and the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. It is Christ's death and resurrection that brings you and I spiritual life and hope and this life and a life that we will live beyond the grave. Christ's death and resurrection made it possible for you and for I to have peace with God, to have peace of mind as we grow older and look to our own ends. Peace of knowing that when you and I pass from this earth, we will be in paradise with God. For your faith and complete trust in Jesus Christ brings salvation. And that salvation is sealed by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. For it is that same Spirit of Christ who dwells in you and gives you peace in the darkest hours of your life. It is that same Spirit that gives you peace in the busiest times of your life. It is the same spirit that was poured out at Pentecost who breathed life into 3,000 people at once. And that word of God is extended to you that can breathe life into your life and the life of your friends, your parents, and the people that you live around. It is the same spirit who gave peace to Abraham in his own age. It is the same spirit who gave Alexander Alexander Solzhenitsyn, an eternal perspective about his life, about his aging. It gave him peace, even in that dark part. It is the same spirit who gives you and I hope that as we, as we look towards our own ends in this life, that there will be comfort, completion, love, and joy awaiting us when we pass to the other side of the grave. Friends, it is the same spirit that comforts my friend Ben, this morning, who just lost his wife and his unborn child. It is the same Spirit of Christ, brothers and sisters, who comforts and enables Ben to say, one day, I will hold my best friend again. One day, I will hold my child again. And one day, together, we will sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That, friends, is the peace that is available to you this morning. For we have a God who is faithful, and we have a God who keeps his promises. That is good news to us. Let's pray. We come to you, Father, as broken people people who, who are in need of grace. 
We are people, Father, who need your covenant blessings, who need your promises. We need, Father, to come back to the scriptures. We need to be reminded over and over again that you are faithful, you are trustworthy, and that you keep your promises always. You never change. Father, we thank you that you breathe life into those, Father, who love you, who trust you, that you give them peace, Father, as we look towards our own age and sickness and health and our work and our businesses. You give us peace, Father, for we, Father, are in your hands. You are in control. You love us and you're taking care of us and you will always watch over us even until the end of our days. Father, we love you. You are truly the Prince of Peace. You are good to us. You are faithful to us. And you keep your promises. We love you and we thank you for your word this morning. In Jesus' name.